student I know who was probably in his second or third year of planning. When I met him, he was in grad school. And he said, he tells the story like how I was like the only guest presenter who was Black. Welcome to Urban Limitrophe, a Toronto-based podcast exploring the global African experience by highlighting the various initiatives happening in cities across the African continent and occasionally the diaspora to creatively solve problems, support communities, create vibrant urban spaces, and build better cities overall. I'm your host, Alexandra, and join me as I explore this episode's topic. This episode is sponsored by the University of Toronto School of Cities. The School of Cities convenes urban-focused researchers, educators, students, practitioners, and the general public to explore and address complex urban challenges with the aim of making cities and urban regions more sustainable, prosperous, inclusive, and just. To learn more about their work, visit schoolofcities.utoronto.ca. This episode is also co-sponsored by the University of Toronto's Department of Geography and Planning. To learn more about their work and the different undergraduate and graduate programs available, please visit geography.utoronto.ca. Why is urban planning so white? This thought-provoking question is the title of an article on Spacing Magazine that explores the results of a report titled The Basis of Planning, Crafting a BIPOC Mentorship Experience Through Empirical Research with Planners. The report was published in 2019 by MIPOC, aka the Mentorship Program for Indigenous and Planners of Color, which work with a team of University of Toronto Masters in Planning students to conduct a series of interviews and surveys with urban planners from across the Greater Toronto Area and explore the experiences in planning education and in the workplace for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. But back to the article. The piece summarizes some key findings from the report and provides recommendations on how to make planning education in workplaces more inclusive and outline some barriers identified by planners of color, which include difficulty advancing in the workplace, accessing meaningful opportunities for networking and for critical discussions about racial injustices in urban planning, feelings of intimidation, and a bunch of other negative factors that contribute to a lack of diversity. The truth is, you don't have to look very far into the history of urban planning to understand that as much good as urban planning can do to build up cities and communities' resilience, urban planning and the many interrelated processes and industries together have been, and in many places continue to be, used as a tool to dispossess and displace communities, particularly communities of color. Speaking of communities, one of the key parts of the article that caught my eye was the following sentence. Through establishing a community of support, higher education institutions, firms, professional networks, and public sector employers can support BIPOC planners and students. A community of support for BIPOC planners has the potential to not only diversify the profession, but also promote social justice and equity in planning practice more broadly. So, like with all things, there is a silver lining. There are associations and groups and podcasts created by urban planning professionals, enthusiasts, students, professors, and everyone in between to try and make the outcomes of our work more equitable and to make navigating this field easier for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. One of the people kicking down doors and leading the way is Abigail Moria, a registered urban planner, one of the authors of the article, and the founder of the Black Planning Project. Through this initiative, Abigail and her team collect and share the stories of Black urban planning professionals and students to highlight their important work and encourage more diverse voices to enter the field. Hi, my name is Abigail Moria. I connected with the Black 
planning project or decided to start it really just as, as a way to um, explore who other Black planners were in the city. So I, I am the person who founded it. And that was in 2018. And so, yeah, can you give a, a little bit more context to what the Black the Planning Project is? And yeah, some of those ideas that got you started with creating this initiative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I, I kind of talk about the story in terms of, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a book called Where's Waldo, that you could, you know, you were always looking for Waldo in it. And and I felt sort of like that, like this idea of looking in the mirror and not seeing folks who are reflective of me. And so I, I was at this point in my career where I was just really questioning if it was the right choice, if this is actually just with some of the tensions that arose in doing the work, if this is actually something that I felt uh, as a Black person it made sense to kind of pursue this career and to continue in the career of urban planning. And at the same time, I had always been interested in, you know, knowing who else was out there. And then just also, I guess, just trying to find a way to, to, to connect or to understand the why behind people, why individuals who are Black may choose to engage in planning. It was really that sort of like soul searching to some extent, like looking for friends and um, looking for individuals who I could find, who, who, who may have something that could relate, that I could relate to and had shared lived experiences, being individuals who, you know, are, are, are um, of African descent. And so even though there's a diversity of experiences, it was really just that whole idea that like, well, maybe we may share something more in common. And I, I want to know about your experience in this profession to see how it's been for you, like why you made this decision and what your aspirations were for, um, are for actually moving forward in the professional planning. And so can you walk me through, I guess, the process of collecting these stories? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it was fairly informal to start with. Like I started with a few that I knew and from there, so one of the first people I interviewed, one of the first few I interviewed, um, we used to work together. From there, I was, I was sharing it with some other folks I'd met who I think they were in architecture and at that time I just told them what I was doing they introduced me to a few other people and it just started to snowball from there as I one of the things that I was doing at the time that I've done over sort of the course of my career is to have the opportunity to talk to um, classes um, urban planning classes at different institutions and so that was also another space where I could say hey I'm doing this if you are interested or you know of anybody let me know and I didn't want to limit it to individuals who were planners practicing I said that I was also welcome to interview students so such as yourself so you could also be interviewed um, who were who were in who were interested in planning and and and, and also pursuing the per- career too so it was really kind of a snowball like I didn't have any I'm not huge on social media um, still and at that point I didn't have a big social media presence like we were barely building a website so it was really just word of mouth and, and through networks I shared the the idea and saying I'm, I'm ready to interview anybody who's interested. And then I also began to seek, as I learned of people, I began to um, just contact them. So if I read an, one person I contacted, is like I read an article that she had published and had written in LPPI, somebody else, I don't know, I came across them somehow. So I did a lot of like cold outreaches as well. And also there were individuals who um, introduced me to other people. And then from there, it was really through contacts. So as I got more established and the website was set up, people began to, you know, submit a contact. And to, to be honest, even though I've had a lot of contacts, sometimes it's been like, okay, here's the information. And if you're ready to be interviewed, and I've really left it up to the individual to kind of contact me back if they're interested in being interviewed. But 
I haven't, I haven't always been like, Hey, this is, you know, these are the 15 people I need to go out to. Like it's, it's really kind of been a bit more um, informal and fairly flexible. I like that like snowball <laughs> effect of reaching out to different contacts, different people, different networks to try and build this like online community and sharing these online stories. And so then these stories, they're shared like through your website and they're shared online. So how has that process been getting people to actually, I guess, what has what the, I guess, the impact been of people like reading these stories? Have people like reached out to you and been like, wow, I didn't know. Or I, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say that right now, because we didn't share a lot on the website, like we actually haven't uploaded, um, we've been like working on a new website for some time. So we will have some stories then and they'll be so it's going to be more visible in some ways. They've been over the last year, we've tried to share more on social media. So it was really just kind of reaching back to some of the stories we gathered in 2018, 2019, and to start sharing those on social media, and then also like building up while we show to others. And so I think we will be sharing it on the website. It's mainly been on Instagram and Twitter, um, primarily Instagram, actually. And, um, and then we, so I think, I think there's just been like, you know, there's a lot of engagement in terms of people, you know, liking and then then choosing to follow us if they are interested, like follow us on Instagram, or then we get a submission contact from the Black Planning Project where people say, hey, I just, I saw this post and so I, or I learned about the project and I'm, so I'm really, really interested for these reasons. So that's, that's basically been how, um, yeah, that's been kind of like the reaction. I feel like maybe if we had a presence in, like if we had, we're doing like more events and things like that, there may be more opportunity to like receive feedback in those comments. But right now we've, we've kind of really focused on some, some research aspects of things and just trying to like connect to, to um, I guess, revive the stories that were connected before and try to collect new stories. And so speaking of stories and, and storytelling, why is it so important to share stories of like Black planners or Black um, aspiring planners or, or students in this field? Yeah, so for me, like I, if I look back to like my own personal motivation, I just wanted to know like who was out there and, 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 and why they were, why they chose to go into this field. I think secondly, because of that, like I recognize that there is like a lack of visibility and representation of black individuals within the field. So that's that's like that was one of the first things that you know got me started on the project. Um, and because of that, I think that the stories are also important to encourage and to motivate others. So once one, it kind of gives us this feeling of a sense of community and it breaks that isolation. So we have been able to build community as a result. So I would say that's like one of the major, to your last question, that's probably one of the major outcomes is that as we were, as I was connecting with people and, you know, there was opportunities to have like further conversation. There were so many people who were connecting with me that I thought like, why don't we just like, or, or, and I'm also one of the people who likes to connect others. So, and so I'm always thinking about who I can introduce somebody else to. So I, for me, what made sense was to just bring people together and say, why don't we meet together for dinner? Why don't we meet together for, and so I, we did that a few times and that really led to build some of the early relationships and some of the visions around like what now is the Black Planners and Awareness Association. So to like actually think that we want to formalize network, we want to find ways of supporting each other, of mentoring each other, of mentoring those who are younger, of like doing peer mentorship if we were like at the similar stage of our career. Um, we want to find ways of supporting people in terms of getting jobs or internship opportunities. So those are all things. And we also want to find ways of like 
you know, affecting change in the system as well as like trying to uh, maybe shift how planning is done and also contribute to black communities. And then to back to your other question is to support younger people to engage and become involved in the profession. So the stories are really a great way, I think, just to say that like, hey, I'm out there. Like I still, I think one of the things that I recall is one student I know who's probably in his second or third year of planning. Um, so in terms of he's pra practicing as a second year, I think he's as a practicing planner. And when I met him, he was in grad school. And he said, he tells the story like how I was like the only guest presenter who was black. And that totally like caught his attention. And so for me, that's really important to, um, to be able to like amplify the voices of other planners and to try to create those spaces where they can be seen. Um, their stories can be told and they, that, that can also be like an encouragement and a motivation for individuals um, who are not young and inspiration, who, who, who are young, who are an inspiration if it be they're going into a high school or a community thing kind of group or organization or they're somebody's in their undergraduate degree and they haven't even considered planning, but just trying to like create spaces where these stories can be shared. Yeah, that's really interesting what the, the planner had said about having about you being one of the few like guest speakers that was black in this field to speak mm -hmm. and it reminds me in undergrad too we had a similar it, it was funny I, I had in like it was I think it was like my final year and in that week we had like two like black guests like not necessarily within yeah within the urban planning field one was specifically mm -hmm. looking at food systems and the other one was looking at like resilience and working with the city and I was like mind blown right, afterwards right. I was like whoa where have you been my entire life kind of thing so I can imagine that was like a turning point for me particularly in the the the, the, the first person I had mentioned who had come in um Milana Roberts who was talking about like the different work that she'd done in the food systems planning and then they're talking about like the two IFBC and then that really inspired me to like dive into that world and explore what's going on there so mm -hmm. I can imagine the impact yeah. of yeah having someone come in that looks like you uh with similar or or at least uh, understanding of your background of your experiences and how inspiring that can be to like prompt you to um I don't know continue with it in whatever field that you're you're looking into or to um try a new field or uh, yeah, yeah explore the other possibilities that you've never seen before yeah exactly yeah yeah it's so true and so um, from the stories that you've heard so far, I know you've been compiling them for a while. What are some of the, I guess, like common themes or like highlights that you've that you've heard from um, the different people? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say a common theme was that, I mean, and it may be a common theme with like planners, unless they happen to have a, you know, a, a parent or a family member who is connected to um, planning or design in some other way or development. Like, I think a lot of us just kind of came upon planning. It was not we just kind of learned about it by chance. It's not as if you grew up saying that I want to be a planner, like perhaps now it's more of a known profession. But I think for me, I didn't grow up wanting to be an urban planner. Like I, I didn't even know what that was. I kind of came upon it when I was thinking about community and change and how to make, create responsive change in community, how to better plan for people or particularly communities that are lower income or marginalized or racialized. And so I think for me, that's what, led me to planning as like maybe this could be you know a tool a practice a profession that would allow me to to respond or engage with some of those issues in a way that would be um produce positive results the and i think a lot of people kind of explore came into planning with that same idea like why what could planning achieve and they were coming if it was their lived experience of living in communities where they felt were underinvested 
um, relative to their neighboring communities that, or, you know, if they were living in a predominantly black or racialized community, then they notice the differences if they were to compare it to communities that were majority white and higher income. And so what did that actually mean for, um, like, what are the things that were impacting that and planning as one of those, like, I mean, it's a profession, but like the system of planning itself and kind of seeing, well, how, how can I use that to actually benefit um, my community or how could I understand what planning is so that I could do things that could better benefit my community or how could I challenge planning so that it's not doing um, what it has been doing to my community too. And so I think there's that piece was really, um, it's like a very, very common theme in terms of like why people chose, like they really entered the profession to create on the ground change is a theme that I hear again and again and again. I think like some of the highlights to um, definitely like sort of there's I realize there are a lot of people who thought similarly to me in terms of questioning why they may be in the profession. And even if they continued to pursue it, it wasn't always comfortable and it was they often faced many challenges. And that also, you know, leads to feelings of like isolation. But I think the other theme that I came across is like, you know, we, we also talked about, you know, our some of the challenges and some of the real challenges that we may observe and also face as individuals. Who are black within the profession um, in terms of you know just getting that internship if you're somebody who's coming out of school or getting hired for your first job or getting promoted being the opportunity to move into more senior positions and how that trajectory or that the time for doing that is a lot more lengthy is a lot much longer um, when we compare ourselves to our peers who are not black within the profession um, and then I also think just like the that definitely there's themes around like visibility, like there's not a lot of us. And if particularly if you do happen to get to more senior roles, how that was um, not necessarily, um, yeah, you just didn't necessarily see yourself. I think in terms of like some of the, from the educational side, you know, a lot of what we learned about planning didn't necessarily um, talk about some of the, the, the negative and the, um, the tensions, particularly as it relates to like planning and race. And so I think that is challenging for individuals when you know and you see and have lived the experiences of planning, like, you know, the, the negative side of planning and, and how that has really affected um, Black and racialized Indigenous communities. And for planning to not talk about that in like to not have those spaces for discussion in planning education, and then certainly even less so in planning practice. I think that's also identified as this like kind of like tension and how, how, how to grapple with that when we know that changes need to be made. And, and I think aspirationally, linking back to why people went, and a lot of it is just like, they just they wanna create communities that are welcoming, communities that are, that are um, safe for individuals like who, who live in black bodies in, in all ways that that is, communities that are, um, that are responsive to the needs, um, communities. So just really that, like really that strong focus on people and, and, and trying to grapple with this like challenge of like, okay, like what, it, what is it that can be done and how can I be used? How can I engage in this work in a way that can kind of create this, like help us reach towards some of those aspirations that we'd like to see. We'd all like to see in some of the places that we live, work, worship and play. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot there <laughs> to unpack a lot of different yeah. experiences, but I think it's reflective. I'm just thinking about in class, <laughs> we talk a lot of, about the same things as well as trying to, because you mentioned something about like the, the tension between, you know, doing this work, knowing the impacts of this work, 
um, on certain communities and how they're like unfair. And then yourself, let's say being uh, a member of those communities or um, another racialized community, like kind of recognizing, like you see both sides that say of the coin and, you're, and you know, like the work you're doing can do such good and like, it can also do such harm. Such and, harm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's heavy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think the, I think the other thing that came up was just that need for community, like in terms of like a professional community of in a space where you could connect with individuals, you know, who are black primarily um, to have just, just to talk about this stuff. And every time we got together, when we had those like dinners at the beginning, we're just, it was really just, we talked about anything and everything, but you know, a lot of it was like, you know, who are you? Why did you get into this? But then also we, you know, automatically went to experiences as, being, you know, the only one in the room or being a black individual or talking about community. So those were just natural parts of the conversation. And if we reflect, if I think about my conversations generally, if I to speak about planning with my peers who are not black and not racialized, um, those aren't natural conversations. Like those, those, those themes and those discussions don't come up on a regular basis. Whereas for us, it was like, all of a sudden, you're just talking about what was actually on our mind rather than trying to like tailor herself to a conversation that was interesting about things, but never really commented on like, you know, race and experiences of racializing black individuals um, in urban spaces or in, in communities. So I think that was also one of those things that came up, like we're just happy to be able to connect and to have unfiltered conversations because oftentimes like our conversations don't feel like, um, we're not always talking about everything because that it's, there's not always a space um, to do that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, you're like kind of like beating around the bush around the conversation. It's like this elephant yeah. in the room, and you're just kind of like maneuvering around it when you're talking about these different issues. Yeah, yeah. And if you're the only one, if you're like the only black individual in the room, it's hard to always be the person to be raising these things. But once you're in a room with many others, it's just like all of a sudden you just have this space where it, it's like you just there's a commonality of of lived experience, even if we didn't all grow up in the same geography, the city, the same income. There is still, there are experiences of like, you know, they say that, you know, if you step out the door, you're an individual who is driving while black, like, you know, walking while black, like, um, you know, you, you are just buying or shopping while black. It doesn't matter what your income is, what your education is. You were just, you're, you, there are still certain, you know, anti-black stereotypes that are, um, stereotypes that are negative that we all endure and we have stories of those to, for the, you know, individuals who have maybe lots of wealth and, and, and like, you know, and then high positions of power and they still experience the same thing that, you know, somebody who may be living in social housing may experience. So it's not, it's a black experience, not necessarily defined by like, you know, what is behind your name. Um, it's really that. And so I think that's a commonality that may exist, even though we recognize that there's diversity of experiences and, it is a very, it's very different if you don't have income, don't have access to jobs, are living in a neighborhood that lacks amenities. Like your, your day-to-day experience is very, very different if you're a Black individual who lives in a higher income neighborhood and, you know, has a professional job. So like we recognize those diversities within our experiences. Um, but at the same time, we recognize the commonality and how do we use the commonality to build community and to actually work towards equity to correct and to redress some of the things that we know um, are are not fair, are unjust, and and that we that we see within our community. And sometimes we can be um, 
perpetuators of that as well. So it's that there, there's, there's an element of like self-awareness. And I think through the building of relationship and conversation through the black planning, like I've, I've grown in that area too. Like you just, you're challenged as the black professional and you can't, you constantly need to challenge yourself and, and think about like, what is it? Yeah. What's, what's, what's my, what's my bias or what's my privilege and how, how is that affecting how I engage in this work or how, how I engage with others in doing this work? So I really like what you said about like community and then just thinking back to one of the first points you said about how you fell kind of like fell into the planning is kind of like happenstance and <laughs> I had to build on that is similarly to me it was just kind of I fell into it I did not dream of becoming a planner when I was a kid I didn't even know what it is and I feel like when you if you're not within these sector or this circle, like you, you mentioned, if you don't have a parent within this kind of like urban city building field, um, you don't really know about it. And like me personally, if it wasn't for my guidance counselor who was like, oh, I think you might enjoy this. <laughs> I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be here. And even when he first said it, I was like, what's that? Like, why would I want to do that? And then the more I read about it and the more I did like different courses, both in high school and then in undergrad, I was like, oh, okay, I see now <laughs> what he was talking <laughs> about kind of thing. Exactly. But then just thinking, I mean, that being said, and, and thinking about as me and an emerging or aspiring planner or other young people who are trying to learn more about the field or trying to get into this field or working their way up the ladder, whatever stage of life they are in the city building sector. I was wondering with the like wealth of experience that you've had and the different connections to different groups that you're a part of in this particular project, I wonder what advice do you have for yeah, emerging Black or racialized planners and or, or just for those interested in learning more about the field and accessing, yeah, building that community or being part of a community that can help them like forward yeah I mean I, I think um, you kind of said it in the last portion of your statement um, I would say that connect to a community and and try to get to know I mean you can connect to any planning community um, there's lots of different planning events happening to kind of learn about what's there there's a BIPOC city builders group which is a Facebook group um, I mean there like most of the professional institutions you kind of need a membership if it's like Canadian Institute of Planners or Ontario Professional Planners Institute but um, also, like a shameless plug, you could also connect with the um, Black Planners and Urbanist Association, which is a newly formed association of about a year old. And it did um, come out of the Black Planning Project, which was kind of used as a platform to form it during a lot of the social organizing and, and, and racial justice um, organizing that happened last year um, with the murder of, of um, Mr. George Floyd. So that creates the space for a community of planners who are Black, um, who can come together to say like, what do we need to do for each other, for our communities within the profession? Like, and that's generally the areas that we kind of explore. Um, and so I would say that's a great space just because it's new and emerging and it's all Black planners. The Black Planning Project, um, the other other ways I would say, like I, I was always a person who, if I saw somebody who was black, sometimes um, almost always if it was somebody who was black, I would always go up and say hello if it was in any sort of planning environment. So I was just that person. Not everybody wanted to connect, but I was just that person who always did um, because I was always curious about people's stories and experiences. And that was the only way I was going to find out was if I actually introduced myself and spoke with them. So I, I also would say, you know, that's I know it's a lot of things are virtual now, but as we kind of go back to having more things in person and there'll be some things hybrid, like I think that's a great way. If you see somebody you've never heard about them before, you're kind of curious, just reach out. Like we have LinkedIn 
um, just and sometimes through social media, but just reach out, reach out because I've done that many times and I've, like, I've been really, really fortunate to like just meet some really amazing people who then um, have been supportive and have introduced me to other people as well. Um, I think, and there are so many other groups that are out there. And I think now, particularly as a result of 2020, they are more concerned with or paying more attention to issues of like race and racial inequity. So um, as a result, you know, um, there's Toronto Crew, which is focuses on women in commercial real estate. Um, there is EULI Toronto, Urban Line Institute Toronto chapter, and they've been doing more work for a longer period of time. So even pre-2020, just looking at diversity, equity, inclusion. But that's also another space and place that's looking at, that has city builders and folks who are in the real estate planning design industries who come together. It's not just, it's not all black or all racialized, but it's it, it's a diverse community of people to kind of network with. And um, yeah, so I would say like connect to those things because there's a lot of things that happen that are free and there's a lot of things that are happening. Um, maybe some things aren't, may, may, may not be free, but you could, there's so many opportunities to connect. Also Twitter and Instagram, like there's such a, I'm, I'm not online as many people are in terms of on social media um, in the same way, but there, there are so many um, people to follow and to learn about um, who are talking and commenting on, you know, issues related to urban planning um, in the Canadian context, in American context and abroad. And so I would, it's just a great way of learning about so much. Like every time I go on to, there's one person I follow to, and she's actually lives here, um, Jamila Muhammad. And she's, um, she's like great. And every time, like she just posts so much. She's also in, involved with Black Planners and Urban Association. And I just love her reading her posts. And I, so I feel like there are people like that you can follow if you're interested in particular issues um, to just learn about like what's happening, what are the hot topics. And that gives you exposure to just different ideas. And it allows you to kind of like think about what you may want to um, explore. And Another organization that I'm also connected to is um, the Mentorship Initiative for Indigenous Black and Planners of Color, MIPOC. And so that's another one, especially if you are um, in the early phases of, you know, you're, you're doing your undergrad or your graduate courses um, or program, you can um, connect to MIPOC to be, uh, to connect with a mentor and be batched with a mentor. And we do try to, as much as possible, to prioritize individuals who are Black recognizing the, um, the challenges and barriers that we face in terms of like gaining networks to the field and access. And so that's also another space to kind of connect and it's really in a mentorship opportunity. But those are some examples, um, both formal um, and maybe more informal where people can find ways of connecting to the field to learn about the field and to meet individuals. Yeah, Twitter in particular has been an interesting way of finding um, other other planners of color like in Toronto, but uh, across the world and just like kind of seeing what they're doing because like it's really easy to like pinpoint these projects and see where they're coming yeah. from but yeah so I, I would also recommend that it's it's fun yeah. it's also more fun than just kind of like I mean I find Twitter a lot of work because it's just like I find it's a little bit overwhelming because you kind of go from one thing to the next but I mean there's one person that I met I think I started following her on Twitter and then and maybe because Mila had posted something I started following her and then I was having some conversations last year with uh, with a prof, and she suggested that I actually meet this person. And so, like, it was just you know virtually, but and I've since connected with her, and we've connected a few times, and maybe I'm exploring potential opportunities for collaboration. But it's yeah, I I would not have outside of that person introducing me to her. Um, 
if I hadn't been on Twitter, I wouldn't have really known about her work. And when she did, I was like, oh yeah, she is doing really cool stuff. That would be really great to meet her. So yeah, so it's just like, I, I do think that social media also provides that opportunity to just to kind of dig into people a little bit more, like the projects that they're working on in particular, and to learn more about, you know, their ideas and their perspectives and things. And it's, uh, and I've just also connected randomly with folks who were like working on, you know, the intersection of, you know, Black communities, Black issues and planning um, and design. And that's been interesting too, just to be able to like, connect just because we see that we're doing something similar, even if we're based in different countries or cities. That's great. And so looking towards the future of the Black Planning Project, and I already mentioned a little bit about the website, but date and getting those stories on another platform so people can yeah, access, I guess, the full breadth of the, um, the, di- the different stories that have been told by uh, the people you've interviewed. But yeah, what's next? What's in, in the pipeline for this really interesting project? So what's next? So I think, th- so with the website being updated, like one of the things we'll be doing is sharing more of the work we're doing. So part of it is trying to communicate a bit more, try to um, understand these issues. And so one of the things that will be on the website that we'll actually speak a bit more to is around uh, this idea of people, place, and practice and using that as a frame to understand and both interrogate issues as it relates to planning um, inequity, particularly focusing around racialized, particularly Black individuals. And so in that, we have, the, we have different um, research pieces that we're working on right now. So one being the piece that you're familiar with that Priscilla is working on, which focuses on the experiences of Black planners and students kind of professionally and in education. The other one is, and that one is a one that was funded by MyTax as an internship um, opportunity. And the other one is looking at historical Black settlement and displacement in Toronto. So that's looking at kind of more focus on the place aspect. And that one is um, funded through a, it's called initiative called Building Healthy Places through the Urban Land Institute. Um, And so it's actually comes out of the States and it's connected to like my involvement with Urban Land Institute Toronto. There's also one that is funded by CMHC, which again kind of goes back to the, it's kind of a, a mix between like maybe all three because it's exploring the connections between the, I guess, the barriers and challenges faced by Black homeowners, Blacks in in the area of homeownership in Canada, because we don't have a lot of research in that area. And that's being led by Dr. Nimoy Lewis, who's done a lot of work around housing and financialization of planning. So we kind of partnered up to to put in that that, that grant application. And we have have support um, administratively through Habitat GTA. And so that one is going to be interesting to kind of unpack because, as we know, the experiences of Black individuals in, in, in thinking about, you know, settlement and just finding home is tightly connected to land, land use practices, real estate, and, and home ownership has been like affected by that significantly because of a small percentage of Black individuals who actually own the home, homes relative to the wider population. One of the other pieces, I guess, I've got to mention, and it's really focused, it's focused, I guess, more on place as well as practice is collaborating with through two grants at X University to create, um, to, to actually develop a curriculum for two courses that focuses on Black experiences of with planning in Canada. And so that's really trying to like fill the gap in our planning literature and education and pedagogy that doesn't talk about the Black experience in the Canadian context. And so it's exploring that and um, through partnering with community-based Black-led organizations who are doing work in Halifax, there's Akuma Holdings, Toronto, we have the People's Residence or what is called a different vocalist cultural center in, in their involvement with the Mervish redevelopment and trying to like, you know, place make and mark the, the history of Blackhurst 
And then also there's Black Futures Now, which is focused on supporting the engagement of of Black youth who are women and non-binary and LGBTQ. It's really like kind of virtual placemaking and and, and, and mapping of space and use of space um, in recognition that they're often displaced and they're often not welcome in so many places. And then another one in Vancouver, which is focused on um, the revitalization of Black resurgence in Hogan's Alley. So trying to, to, to document those experiences and learn from them and to, so that help us understand the, the relationship and the experiences of either engagement, disengagement of Black communities in planning and the tensions that have existed for, you know, since we've been here, essentially when it comes to planning and land use. So yeah, so those are some that, that we actually have underway and that we'll be sharing more information about and that our website, once it's updated, you'll just have, there'll be some information about those things, but you'll actually be able to, we look forward to actually sharing more information and sharing more of what we're learning. Yeah, that's a lot of exciting work. I, yeah, I wasn't aware of all the other things that you're doing that are spanning across the country and connecting all these communities and like, like I guess grassroots or like communities within the city, but also like urbanist like communities together and these different projects all under this like umbrella. Yeah, so that's really, that's really exciting work. And I look forward to like reading more about all the different initiatives as they like get launched and um, and the insights that will be derived from them. And so I think that's, they're all really important in advancing, you know, diversity and more inclusion in this field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that it's been great to have support from different organizations who have, you know, have had champions from within them to say that, would you like to, you know, work with, like the ULI is them suggesting, is there something you'd like to work with us on for a grant and um, to collaborate together? Even recently received support from Toronto Crew, which is, as I said, it's like the women in commercial real estate. And they were just like, how can we support you? And, you know, through, we went through, you know, a process with them and were one of a few selected. So, and they'll provide some support, some financial support for us in terms of like operationally to, to um, do some of this work and the managing of all the different contracts and research pieces. And so for individuals or I guess other groups that are interested in um, getting involved with the Black Planning Project or just like supporting your work in, in general, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so you can um, connect with us on our website at www.blackplanningproject.com or on Twitter at planning underscore black or on Instagram at Black Planning Project. And you can also email us as well at blackplanningproject at gmail.com. If you connect with us on the website, you can easily submit a form, a contact form to say that you're interested in telling your story and being one of the individuals that we profile, or you can just simply contact us to say that you're interested in supporting us or partnering with us in some other way. So as you can see, the Black Planning Project is about much more than just collecting stories. It is about building relationships, and most importantly, the community ties necessary to make sure that urban planning, and hopefully the city building sector overall, includes more diverse perspectives. Thanks for listening to this episode. To learn more about the Black Planning Project, please visit www.blackplanningproject.com. Also, for those interested in hearing more about Black urbanism in Toronto, stay tuned for an upcoming episode featuring Black Features Now Toronto, and how the collective created the innovative and interactive Mapping Black Futures resource. This episode was edited by Hannah Ahamedi. The music was produced by Imani Lambropoulos. And the episode direction, research, and graphic design was done by yours truly. 
For this episode's show notes and other resources, make sure to visit www.urbanlimitrophe.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media at Urban Limitrophe to stay up to date and stay tuned for new episodes coming your way. Until next time.